After a life-changing event caused young Sophie Lanigan to have a quadruple amputation, all who are close to her are amazed by the courage that she has shown. I'm joined now by Sophie's father, Keith Lanigan. Keith, good morning. Morning, Pat. How are you? What uh, an ordeal you've all been uh, through. I've seen pictures of of Sophie before, um, a great, cheerful 12-year-old, and then afterwards... Also a cheerful 12-year-old, but uh, what she has been through. Will you tell us how it all began? Yeah, sure. So, um, uh, I suppose, you know, Sophie was like any other, you know, 12-year-old. Anyway, she was, uh, you know, she was really outgoing. She was into her, you know, her gymnastics. And, you know, she used to do her gymnastics every Monday up in the Sports Island campus. You know, it was her... It was her, um, you know, her activities, I suppose, wasn't competitive, but, you know, something that she was really enthusiastic yeah. about. Um, you know, on the Friday before she got ill, she was in the kitchen with one of her friends. They were doing their TikToks, you know, everything was great. Um, then the Saturday, she was out playing with her friends, just a normal day, you know, same as usual. Mm-hmm. And then on the 11th of December, uh, Sophie got a, just a temperature, nothing else, you know, just we control the temperatures, you know, as you normally would yeah. do. And she had her dinner and, you know, we just played board games, you know, connect for them, whatever. We just, you know, we'll just have a lazy day in front of the TV. And she was fine for the rest of the day. And then Monday morning, she woke up, got a temperature again and got sick. And um, Laura just... Sophie's mom. She rang the GP and got an appointment for later that day. Uh, so you know when we, Laura brought her over, Sophie over to her appointment. Um, Sophie changed. You know the GP seeing her and straight away the, the GP thought that she hadn't. You know suspected she could have pneumonia and she called an ambulance straight away. Um, you know at that point Laura rang me and said, "Listen, we have to go to the hospital. I was collecting my son arm from school." And she said, we have to get us an ambulance. I said, what's wrong? She said, I don't know. She said, there could be suspected pneumonia. We need to, you know, she needs to go to the hospital quick. So, you know, I was in a panic, just get home and obviously try and get Aaron, um, you know, home. And then obviously get into the hospital as quick as I can. But, you know, from that point, I couldn't speak to her because, you know, she was in between the ambulance and the, the hospital mm-hmm. and whatever. So, yeah. So, so, so she went to Temple Street first. She went to Temple Street first, yeah. And then um, her condition continued to deteriorate, and, and she was moved to Crumlin. What, yeah. what were they going to do for her in Crumlin that well, couldn't be done in Temple Street? Well, essentially, what happened was when when she actually went into Temple Street first, um, you know, her deteri- she just deteriorated further. Um, you know, and they had to put her on um, uh, they had to put her on a ventilator. And you know, so when I got in there, I, you know, Laura basically had got to say goodbye to her. You know, she waved her off, and Sophie waved to her and said, "Bye, ma'am," and and that was it. So when I get in, Sophie wasn't even, um, you know, she wasn't even conscious. So yeah, so throughout the, you know, throughout that night, anyway, you know, last day, and I had to go home, Taron, and then I came back in the next day, and they said, you know, that she was she's deteriorated more, and they said that they may have to put her onto this ECMO machine, which essentially is a, a life support machine that takes over from you know your, the function of your heart and your lungs. Um, so yeah, so that was that, and we, we I suppose it's just strange when the, the first thing I was on was Google and trying to figure out what this machine actually was and what it was for. Yeah. Um, but you know, when we got over, anyway, they basically they they 
they the transport team really good. They got it ready to go. We had to leave the room, and when we when we uh, so basically Sophie um they were going to bring her over, and you know we just they just basically called us out of the room where we were and just said, okay, look, you know she's going to come past. It's a quick, you know, hello, and and we have to go. And they brought her down, and then she got a the transport, you know, across to the uh, to Crumlin Hospital to, you know, suspect mm. what we thought was to go on to the ECMO machine. Now, at this so, stage, did they know that she had had strep A and that uh, sepsis was developing? No. What, what um, they did, no, they, they knew she had an infection, but again, so we didn't have science, you know, she had a temperature vomited. Obviously, she deteriorated and uh, it was different, but the doctors were treating her. They, you couldn't pinpoint for sepsis straight away. You couldn't. It didn't come back for a few days. But the doctors treated her for everything, you know. So they had all their bases covered yeah. for you know for to treat her for the infections. Um, you know, so we were really, so we were really lucky that you know they did that. But yeah, so they brought her over to um, to Crumlin Children's Hospital. So myself and Laura had to wait outside uh, in the you know the waiting room, the ICU until we were called in, until the transport nurse and the doctor that brought her from Temple Street said, you know, we're, she was ready to go in. And then we went into the room and it was just really difficult, you know, just to essentially see your child hooked up to so many machines and yeah. tubes and wires and everything coming out. It was just it literally, literally fighting yeah. for her life. And, and, and that, yeah. that fight went on in, 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 under ventilation for a long time. But then they actually told you at one point that you might have to prepare for the worst, which I, I can only imagine being told that by doctors. Look, this could be the end of Sophie. No, but that's it. Like, you know, we, again, we didn't know. Look, you know, they put her up, first of all, like, before the, the ventilator she was on, they put her, I think it was an oscillator ventilator because she didn't, they said that she was okay, she didn't need the ECMO. But yeah, they, they told us, you know, look, you've got to prepare for the worst. Um, you know, that's how severe she was. You know, when we were told just to take it hour by hour, you know, and fight one battle at a time. And, you know, for every, you know, every battle you win is a small victory. Um, you know, but yeah, that's what we were told. And, the hardest thing for me was, you know, listening to, you know, you hear things on from people or the TV or something like that, you know, the next 24 hours or 48 hours are critical. But, you know, when somebody's saying, you, you know, we need to just take things hour by hour, it yeah. just changes things completely for you. Now, eventually, uh, I mean, she was fighting this infection uh, for weeks on end, and eventually they said, look, uh, her hands and feet have been so damaged by this uh, terrible sepsis that if she is to survive at all, we are going to have to amputate. Now, I'm sure you'd trade anything to keep Sophie alive, but even then, you think ahead and you think, what kind of a life is she going to have as a quadruple amputee? I didn't know, and it's really, really, really difficult, you know, trying to understand why it, uh, why it happened, and you know, trying to see like, okay, what can what can she do? You, you know, what can you know what can she do? And you did like that. You're right. You give anything to to have her, um, right? But you know, uh, we were just researching everything, trying to figure out, you know, what can she do? Are there any other people out there, you know, with Sophie's condition, you know? Um, that sort of thing, you know, Sophie's brother was on, like, he's only 16, and, you know, he was on researching himself, trying to find stuff, 
you know, he had to grow up really quickly. Now, you, you, know? you obviously realised at the end of the day that uh, the amputation was the, the, the only way that Sophie was going to survive. Uh, and yeah, but, but that's the thing, Pat. What, like, I think, I suppose, what the confusion is, is that, you know, with the, 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 the damage was done to her, Sophie's limbs. And, you know, unfortunately, that's just a reaction of, you know, the, whether it's medication or whatever, her condition, the idea is it's life over limb, and you've got to keep her, keep her life. And all the blood had to come into the heart and the brain to make sure that, you know, the rest of the body could work. And essentially, that's what happens. So you're drawing all the blood in, and then the, the blood obviously has to come in from somewhere. So no matter how, many, how much blood you give somebody, you know, you're, you still have to, you're, the periphery, you still have to draw it from the periphery and think, you know, your veins will constrict anyway. So, you know, at that point it is, you know, when we talk about life over him, it is protect the life. But essentially, you're, you know, your your hands and feet are starved of oxygen and, and stuff like that. Now, we have to think back. This is December. We're now in April. So she has had a long and tortuous battle with the surgeries and then recovering from uh, surgery. Um, what stage is uh, she at now? Because obviously there will be prosthetics. I'm sure you'll have to change the, the, the house to make sure that Sophie can yeah. navigate it. You've a long road ahead of you, but I hope the the picture doesn't tell a lie that she is in good spirits. She's unbelievable. Like I, honestly, it, it's crazy to think that a twelve year old the way she what she has done and she's been like this all the way through. I know we've had her, you know, her moments where she's been down and we've been there to pick her up. But a lot of the time we look at her and her attitude is just ridiculous. Like you know, she talks about gymnastics, about she can't do, you know, she's going to do elbow stands. You know, instead of handstands, she's going to, you know, when we're doing, when she's doing her physio, she's saying, oh, look, this is the gymnastics move I'm doing. You know, I just can't believe how positive she actually is. Yeah. You know, like last night we went to the cinema and um, there was, you know, on the way in to the cinema, there was a lady I didn't know. And the lady came over and said to her, you know, she used to be in. Uh, her son's class and she said hello and she was talking to her when we went into the cinema there was a lovely woman I just wasn't even with it and she said you know she said, hey oh you're Sophie and she said, oh, I don't know who this is and she said oh you're famous and it was just <laughs> for a child to hear something like that it was just heartwarming yeah. Well, I, I know that uh, your uh, battle has only just begun in terms of making uh, things work for Sophie going forward. Yeah. You have a GoFundMe page uh, because you'll need uh, resources to alter the house and to make sure that Sophie gets the best prosthetics that uh, are available uh, to help her navigate the world that uh, as she will find it in school and college and all the rest of it. So I want to mention the GoFundMe page. Um, and if you just to go to GoFundMe and look for Sophie's journey, quadruple amputee after sepsis, you will find it and I know that our listeners will be very anxious uh, to help out in that regard uh, Keith because uh, it's on the one hand a a tragedy on the other hand a very positive story of of survival and courage in adversity Yeah I think the other thing as well Pat is that the story too uh, for me personally you know there's two things you know it's like like two sets of people Um, you know one is obviously the hospital themselves, the amazing stuff that they did to to save Sophie. You know, I can't I can't thank them enough. Everything that they've done, they've been really, really brilliant, and they've been so compassionate. Um, 
you know, you have no idea, like, the amount of friends she's made and, you know, and stuff like that. Like, she's, like, even when in there, I know Sophie, like, she's, she has no hands, but she's still making, she's still making loom bands for the staff and some of the, uh, the, the patients there as well. You know, they, they, she had a cake sale in there, the play therapists were in, you know, helping her make cakes and stuff like that. You know, it, it was just unbelievable the support that we got from the hospital and um, everything that they did. You know, and, and the other thing is, I'd just like to thank just the general public because the support that we've had from people, you know, obviously financially is one thing, but people are willing to give up their time to help you, um, offering their services, you know, free of charge, you know, even just the emotional support, you know, where people are offering you, it's just astounding. It's not something that you expect. You know, it's really not, and it's really heartwarming to, you know, to experience that. I know it's a, it's a, it's a difficult situation we're in, but, you know, you just, I, I don't even know what to say. Well, it looks like Sophie's leading the way and, and teaching everybody around her to be courageous too, leading by example. But Keith, look, I really appreciate you joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you very much. For Thank you very much, Keith.